For the rest of you, let's open up our Bibles together. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, if you're visiting. Uh, We are working our way through the whole Gospel. We are at Matthew chapter 6 today. So we're at Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be picking up at verse 16. If you do not have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to pick one up over in the resource table so you can follow along with us. But we are at Matthew chapter 6. We'll go through uh, 16 to 18. This is God's holy word. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing upon our time. Lord, as we just sung, we need you. How how we need you. That is especially true when we come uh, before you and your word. So we we pray, God, that you would intervene, that you would step in in this time. That, Lord, we would not just simply be going through the motions, that we would not uh, simply uh, be doing something that we're used to doing in the religious realm, but, God, that we would be humble before your word, that you would speak through it, that you would give us attentive ears and hearts and minds, and that we would uh, really be changed as a result of this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before I ask this question, I am not expecting you to answer the question out loud. If you really want to answer it out loud, go for it. But here's the question. What is the longest period of time you have went without eating? Why did you do it? So what was the reason behind it? And how did it feel abstaining from food for however long that period was? The idea of fasting, it's not completely foreign to our society. Uh, If you've ever had a surgery, anybody who's had a surgery, most of the time, maybe there's some exceptions to this, you can't eat before like so many hours in order for the medications that they're using during the surgery that they work right. So, you know, you can't eat after midnight. My son recently had his hand, uh, he had to get pins in his hand. He couldn't eat after 12 o'clock. Like like we were wondering, like, do you want to stay up at 11.50 and we'll... We'll make a buffet, and it, yeah, just that idea. Uh, the other thing is, like right now, one of, the, one of the diet crazes, I don't know if it's a craze, is intermittent fasting. So, for example, one of them is 16 and 8. So you don't eat for 16 hours, you eat during an 8-hour window, and then you go again without 16. So there's that fasting. Uh, I've seen wrestlers here who are trying to make weight for a tournament, so they're starving themselves. They're in the sauna the whole time. Uh, maybe it's you, maybe you were trying to fit into that wedding dress or whatever, and like, I just can't eat for these couple days, so like, it's, it's all water weight, right? I remember when I was in eighth grade, my family, my, my mom and my stepfather, they moved us, and we had moved for one year to a different school, and my hope was always, I'm going to get to go back to my school I grew up in, and we did not. And I did a food protest. I refuse to eat. I think I made it to dinner. I think I made it to dinner. It didn't take much. I think my mom uh, enticed me with McDonald's, and I, I, I gave in. But when we start talking about fasting, though, 
outside of these like physical examples, we don't talk much about fasting in church. I have, I started Covenant 18 years ago with Ryan. I have never preached a sermon exclusively on fasting in 18 years. Now, it's been up a couple times, especially in the book of Acts. We might have mentioned it maybe sometime in the Old Testament, but it's actually a sermon that is devoted on fasting. And the truth is, fasting is ignored in the church for the most part. Uh, Also, fasting is difficult. We live in a society that food and gluttony are celebrated. We are surrounded by restaurants, diverse options at the grocery store, and convenient delivery. So I think it is a challenge to willfully withhold food from ourselves. Why do it at all? Yet here's the key. God's people have historically fasted. They have disciplined themselves through this act. It's been a practice of devotion to the Lord down through the ages. So the issue is not fasting. It's whether or not you're fasting foolishly and with wrong motives or you fasting fasting in a a biblical manner. So that's what we're going to look at, a biblical uh, idea of, of, of fasting. We will not exclusively stay in our passage. We'll kind of go throughout the Bible on it. But we're going to begin by looking at the practice of fasting. We're going to see several examples from uh, redemptive history. We're going to see that it appears to be an expectation of God for us to fast. Then we're going to look at the purpose in fasting. Why in the world would somebody intentionally withhold food from themselves for spiritual matters? Like why, why, what, what, what good is that? And then lastly, we're going to look at the prize from fasting, the reward that God uh, not only promises but often delivers through men and women who have devoted themselves to this practice. So let's get started at verse 16 as we see the practice of fasting. Now this is the third religious act that Jesus confronts the hypocrisy on. You remember beginning of chapter 6, he confronted them on how they gave. Because they gave in such a way, it was like, hey, check me out, look at me, I'm generous. But then the second thing they they were doing is praying. They love to pray publicly, love to pray in front of people, love to show off or use big words or babble. And he's confronted, and we're in the same idea here as he confronts their practice of fasting, that they were doing it with hard hearts and wrong motives. So let's begin At verse 16, as we see fasting examples, he goes on and he says, and when you fast, all right, so we got fast, we need to start defining what are we talking about. Now, I did say for the most part, the church is kind of ignorant of fasting, we don't talk much about it, but there is one exception to it, to a degree, and it happens 40 days before Easter, what's that called? Lent. And during that time, it's a focus on the death and sacrifice of Jesus. And so what the church has done over the years when it comes to, to fasting with Lent is, is fasting from something. Not necessarily food or not necessarily all of food. So you might fast from chocolate or fast from meat or fast from different things like that. That's one of the reasons I think within the Roman Catholic Church you can eat, am I right, you can eat fish on Friday? On Friday as like a form of the, the fasting. So what I see often, and, and I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll talk about it on, uh, at Lent, and they're like, I, I'm fasting from Facebook. 
or I'm fasting from TV or social media or music or sleep or, or whatever. I'm not saying any of that fasting is wrong or not helpful, not fruitful, but we need to understand what we're talking about right here, what Jesus is talking about is not fasting from social media. And when you fast from social media, there was no social media back when Jesus said this. What he's talking about is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. It's a voluntary action of a person. And we see various kinds of this in uh, the Bible. One, we see it in Daniel. And in Daniel's examples, it seems to be more partial fasting. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, do you remember when they're, they're taken away and Daniel does not want to eat all the food and the wine and all the, the stuff that the other people were getting? He said, just give me water and vegetables. They did a 10-day period of that and they were healthier than the other people and then everybody else got to eat water and vegetables with Daniel. But then in Daniel chapter 10, Verse 2 to 3, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth. So once again, there's a a partial fasting going on when it comes to Daniel. But then there's examples of full fast in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days. Night or day, for three days, night or day, I and my young women will also fast as you do. So that was a complete fast. For three days, there was no eating, there was no drinking. And then we got examples of even greater full fasts, supernatural ones, I would argue. In Deuteronomy 9.9, this is Moses. I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drink water. Elijah, same way, 1 Kings 19.8, did not eat or drink for 40 days. Not something that, so when we start talking about fasting, I want us to understand, fasting is not something that would have been foreign to who Jesus was speaking of at all, not unfamiliar. Many examples. That was just a few of many I could have used in the Bible. And what we see is two things. They're abstaining from food in some capacity, but a lot of times it's no food, and it's for spiritual purposes. So we need to ask the question, okay, is fasting in the Bible? Everybody nod your head yes. Why would somebody abstain for food for spiritual reasons? What would be the point? We'll get to that, but I want us to start thinking about that as we start building a case for you and I practicing fasting. Second thing, fasting examples, but also fasting expected. Notice what he says, and when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. It seems to be from Jesus' point of view, his vantage point, fasting is something that he assumes his disciples are going to be doing. Now, I need to make a clarification. Does God command us to fast? I would say no. One example where he did, it was with the Day of Atonement, he, Leviticus 16.29, it says, you shall now, you shall afflict yourselves. The, the Hebrew actually would be, you shall fast and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. And that was part of the way that they were celebrating the day of atonement amongst God's people. Now, you and I know this side of the cross, Christ has already made atonement. We don't celebrate the day of atonement in that sense because we don't need to because Jesus has made atonement for us once for all in the cross. 
But Jesus did say, so, so it's not a command. I would argue giving is a command. I would argue praying is a command. But on this particular example, I don't think it's a, it's a command. But yet Jesus, it seems to appear like he expects it from us. Uh, in Matthew 9, 15, they, people were all at a fuss because guess what Jesus' disciples were not doing with Jesus? What subject are we talking about? They were not what? They weren't fasting. And they're like, well, your, your disciples aren't fasting. He's like, why would they fast? Because I'm here. But then he goes on, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So when Jesus is gone, time to fast, time is on. So as we start thinking about this, we start seeing that not only are there lots of examples, it seems so expected that it, it's the who's who. Have you ever heard that? The who's who in, I remember I was, uh, I, I got to hear Peyton Manning speak over at the Stranahan. And while I was there, somebody I was with was pointing out all these very prominent businessmen locally. I had no idea who the people were. It's not my circle. I don't roll there. But like, it's like, oh, it's like the who's who. And, and yeah, you want to know who's who when it comes to fasting? Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Paul, Jesus. Church history, some, several prominent names, Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, all of them were notorious for fasting. But just because it was popular, just because it was common, doesn't mean that it's good. But I think it does force you and I to think through it. What's happened? Because I'm assuming the vast majority of us, at least with regularity, do not fast. Do not fast. What has happened? I, I think what has happened is somehow over the years, it has become outdated from our vantage point. I'll give you examples in real life. I rarely go to the bank. Why? I can do it online. I rarely go to the post office because, like, what am I, I'm going to mail a letter? Like, to be honest, I have no idea how much does a stamp cost right now. I buy, like, a giant bunch of forever stamps, and I plan on using them forever. I literally have no idea how much a stamp costs. How about home phones? Anybody have a home phone in here? Whoa, a couple people. Is it a rotary? Like, no, it's not that? Okay. I, I think what's happened is somehow in the church, fasting has become like, that's something that they used to do. We don't need to do it. Remember, in this context, the problem is not fasting. It's, it was a source of pride. And I think something happened over time in our Christian liberty. We've kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. But it appears to be such a common practice. Luke 18, 12. Uh, now, mind you, this was negative, but they're like, I fast twice a week. It was the common thing. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger, thirst, often without food. And actually says often fasting and cold and exposure. Well, do you make it a practice to fast for spiritual reasons in your life? Why or why not? What is stopping you from this spiritual discipline? You need to reevaluate fasting. I think that's one of the things that's been the most challenging for me over the course of the last week preparing this sermon is, in all honesty, it's something that I have not done with any regularity for years, since college, as a matter of fact. So we see the practice of fasting. We see the examples. It's expected. 
Well, what is the purpose behind it? What would make someone abstain from food? What is the point behind a fast for spiritual reasons? First of all, it is an act of humbling self. Did you hear that? It's an act of humbling self. Read verse 16 with me. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigured their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So where it says hypocrite, it's the Greek word used for mask that an actor would wear to play a role. It's hypocrisy. So what was going on in their fasting was they were playing a role, and the role was spiritually mature person. And they were showing it off. They would actually, there was even documentation of people using makeup to make themselves look worse. So it's like, mess your hair up. I'm not going to shave for a couple days. Do everything in the power so when people see you, like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just fasting. You're like, wow, I mean, you look a wreck. Like, yeah, it's been a long time. I haven't ate for a couple days. That was kind of what they were doing. But that's not what fasting is about. It's, it's humbling oneself. It's, it's saying no to self. I, maybe you're that child. Maybe you've had that child. Maybe you're that parent. But have you ever seen a situation where a parent constantly gives in and caves to their child's demands? And we call that child spoiled, right? Like we see it and we're like, oh my goodness. I think last night we were at youth, uh, life group and I don't know what we were talking about. Somehow, uh, I, got in, I got in a lot of trouble, but I didn't get in trouble as a kid. I accidentally helped burn down a vacant lot. <laughs> Nobody got hurt, okay? And, and the people were asked, well, did you get in trouble? And then my wife's just shaking her head, no. Because my Darlene, my mom, who's probably watching, she would not have, <laughs> not have disciplined me on that. She maybe did. I don't remember. But the point is, it's like that spoiled child. Like at some point, you need to step in. And that's kind of what one of the things we see with fasting is you and I, we are the spoiled child, and we are telling ourselves no. Part of the reason we don't fast, because we don't like to hear what? We don't like to hear no. But that's the problem with our sinful nature. James 1.14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And when, it is conceived, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Think about the examples in the Bible tied to food and sin. Can you think about first sin? Eve wanted to eat what she couldn't eat and shouldn't eat. Jesus, in the wilderness, the first temptation, guess what it is related to? Jesus has not ate for 40 days. Turn this into bread. There's just that pull. I think there's that innate desire within us. We don't like saying no. And at, at, at the kind of the most basic level, food is probably the thing that's hardest for us to say no. And I think spiritually, if we can say no to food, we're more prone to say no to sin. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline my body and I keep it under control so that after I preach to others, I will not be disqualified. Psalm 35, 13. This is David. When they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. Saying no to self is, I think, the start of saying yes to God. And that's the beauty and the benefit of fasting. 
It, it, it really, it, it exposes what controls us. I think it awakens us to how easily swayed we are by our desires. But it's not just humbling of ourselves in a general sense. It is ultimately a humbling before God. If you remember the story of Nehemiah, and they come back to, to build the wall. Nehemiah 9.1 says this, The people of Israel, they were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. They stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And that's what you and I are doing in is biblical fasting is. It's not just not eating food. The spiritual side, it's, it's humbly going before God and acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our need of him, and acknowledging our, our brokenness. Well, do you trend towards humility or pride? When's the last time you said no to yourself? Think about it. When's the last time you said no to sin? Temptation was there. Do I say this? Do I do this? Do I think this? How easily do you give in? Do you cave in those areas? Do you have a disposition of humility before God? So we see it's an act of humbling self, but it's also an attempt at hearing from God. He goes on and says, And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. It's continuing on with this humility, drawing no attention. It's your relationship with God, intimacy with God is the reason it's about God. So if you fast where God is not the center of the fasting, apart from maybe having to do it for medical purposes and that, your fasting is useless. That's not fasting. Fasting is always about God. It is an acknowledgement that I need you. Last, we had a football game Thursday night, and one of my star players, out of nowhere, he like raises his hand. He's like, hey, I need a break. We have 13 guys. It's eight-man football. We do not have breaks. I was like so frustrated. The other coach was way more compassionate. He's like, all right, you can come out. I'm like, are you sure? Like, he can. My son tried it, and I actually put him right back. I was like, you're good. As a good father, I said, suck it up. It's not that bad. He's like, I just ran 70 yards. Like, yep, you're good. You didn't have, you didn't run 100. Fasting, we need to start understanding kind of the, the disposition. We need to start understanding the frame of mind when we're, we're talking about it. Fasting is like saying, God, I need you. I, I need more of you. That there is, as scripture, as, as theologians say, there's a God-shaped hole within us. And it can only be filled with who? With God. So that's, that's what fasting is about. It's, a, it's about God. Luke 2.37, Anna is in the temple and says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping, guess what? With fasting and prayer night and day. I think it's a way for you and I, and I'm cautious when I say this because you're going to hear it wrongly. Fasting is a way to get God's attention. That doesn't mean God doesn't always have your attention. I mean, God sees you all the time. But I think there's enough scriptural examples, as I'm going to go through, that very much, it's like you're stranded on that desert, not desert island, but stranded on an island, and you build a signal fire, and the, the point is, if a plane or a ship off in the distance can see 
the signal fire, they'll know you need help. And I think there is a very real sense that fasting is a desperate cry out to God. I need you and I'm showing it. Daniel 9.2. He was told that they must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem. And here was his response. Then I turned my face to the Lord God. I sought him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. The one we gave earlier with Esther, when she found out that they were going to kill the Jews, she said, I'm going to fast and, and, and pray. Second Chronicles 23 to 4, Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was afraid. He set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. It can also be used as a means to desire God, uh, to direct, to guide. In the book of Acts, Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So I want to be challenging to each of us today. Do you need God? I mean, I know you all need God. But like right now, are you going through a season in life where you are just feeling desperate. Maybe you do need wisdom and guidance. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need God to to really step in in a situation that looks bleak and hopeless. Are you trying to get his attention? I really, I believe strongly that this is, is one of these great secrets of the faith that we're just neglecting as Christians. That God's saying, get my attention. Humble yourself before me and you'll be amazed at what I can and will do in your life. So we see the practice of fasting. We see the examples. It's expected. We see purpose. It's to, an act to humble oneself. It's an act, uh, attempt at hearing from God. Uh, what's the results of fasting though? Besides maybe losing some weight. Besides maybe being cranky, getting hungry or hangry. It's hangry, hangry. First of all, we see God's answer. It says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Remember, what was the, the faulty way of fasting? What was the reward? Man's approval. When the person's like, why are you so a mess? I'm fasting because I'm pretty spiritually awesome. And they're like, that's really cool. I could never do that. And then like, okay, that was your reward. Done. But the real reward is God's favor, God's blessing. But we need to understand, it's not a secret way to manipulate God, okay? It's not a secret way to manipulate God. I'm hooked on this new game online. So I started with Wordle, but New York Times has this new game. Has anybody seen it? It's called Connections. So Connections has 16 words. You got to break them into four groups of four. Sometimes I'm like a genius. This morning, not a genius. But what we'll do is you get four attempts. And if you get the four words right, they all, you see them move out of their place and up to the line. And you're like, yes. Today did not do that. Every time I did it, it would say one left. One left. And then I just, and, and I think here's, here's my concern as I, challenge us to be men and women of fasting 
Don't think that, all right, I'm alone with God. I'm praying. I'm using Bible words and I fasted. That's the four. This is going to work. Like, don't, don't misunderstand fasting. But also don't undervalue what fasting can do. God does promise, as Andy talked about two weeks back, God promises rewards. It, un- it makes us uncomfortable. We're not talking about, like, we get rewards to go to heaven because we've done good. But we're talking about, for whatever reason, in God's design, there is real blessing and rewards for faithfulness. And fasting is one of the examples. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that's a reward, right, for cross-bearing. He blesses the humble pursuit. Isaiah 58 is one of the greatest examples of the blessing of fasting with a right heart, with a right motive. And God says in Isaiah 58, verse 6, is this not the fast that I choose? And he says some, some, some righteous things of justice. He says, and then you shall call and the Lord will answer. And then the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires in scorched places. And what we see in fasting is God will give wisdom. He gave discernment uh, as they were putting in elders. He'll give conviction over sin. He'll give victory. He'll reveal what controls us. He'll produce transformation and and character. You need to understand, though, in the midst of all this, this is all still grace-based. Yes, you're fasting. God's rewarding the fasting. But he's rewarding the fasting because he's gracious and merciful and loving. We're not earning this. Let's Let's be transparent with God today. What situation are you in right now that you need God to move? Maybe you're making a big decision. Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's a relationship turmoil. Whatever it is, maybe this is God's response for you. That he wants you to humble yourself before him and cry out to him. So we see God's answer. Well, let's look at man's application in all this. So what? Uh, A couple things when we start talking about fast. I'm going to get actually nitty gritty and give you details and stuff. One, it is a combined action. Who here likes peanut butter and jelly? Raise your hand. Peanut butter and jelly. I do it sometimes until we eat it too much. And then I'm like, ah. We were running late last night. And I'm like, what are we having for dinner? And my wife's like, peanut butter and jelly. And I'm like, what? It actually, that led to a whole fight because I was so angry. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we're not homeless. Like, no, like, I was very angry. With peanut butter and jelly, though, have you ever had peanut butter and jelly without jelly? It's not a peanut butter and jelly. We need to understand something. Fasting without prayer is not fasting. You can pray without fasting, but you can't fast without prayer. Not for spiritual purposes. So it's not just the act of abstaining from God. So I'm not challenging everybody, you need to, to lay off a few meals. It's, it's more than that. Acts 14, 23, it says, when they had appointed elders for them in our church, 
with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. The disciples even encountered a situation where they were not able to cast out a demon. And it said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I truly believe we are missing out on this practice. Now, I, I want to encourage you to not become legalistic, but I think it's time that we fight our self-indulgent tendencies. Uh, I think we need to start fasting. Now, my encouragement for you would be to start small, maybe a meal, maybe build up from there to a day, then maybe a couple of days, and then maybe a prolonged. Uh, depending on where your health is, maybe you need to talk to a doctor and get their advice on it. Likewise, I think any lengthy fast, I would encourage juice and not just water. Uh, I I need to warn you, if you fast, it will be discomfort and uncomfortable. So be prepared. It's going to, uh, you're going to see how much you love food when you go a day, two days, three days without, without food. Uh, part of it is just physiological. Toxins are going to be eliminated from your body. So it, it, it's, it's rough. You might have a hard time sleeping that first night or two without having food. Uh, likewise, you need to focus on God during that time. So it's not just simple. Like I said, that's why it's prayer and fasting. So instead of that time that maybe you would be preparing meals— and eating, you spend time before the Lord in prayer and in his word. Also, the secret element. I think sometimes we, we go too far on the secret element. If you're fasting, you might need to tell your spouse so she wonders why you're not sitting at dinner. Or I mean, it's important. Not only you tell everybody, but it, it's okay. It's not like the fast won't work because, man, I, I accidentally told somebody. But it needs to be done privately. I think you need to, to really focus in on that, on it. But I, I think for each of us, it's going to play itself out differently. So don't over, it's not a comparison game that Johnny fasts 20 days and I can only make it a meal. It's, it's, remember, who is fasting ultimately about? It's about God. So who cares what other people do? It's about you and, and God. Are you thinking about giving this a try? How long are you thinking? What will be your focus? February 6, 1756. The French were threatening an invasion of Britain. The king of Britain called for a day of fasting and prayer for the nation. John Wesley recorded in his journal about the day. That fast day was a glorious day such as London has scarce seen since the Restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will be yet a lengthening of our tranquility. And in the footnote he wrote, Humility was turned into national rejoicing, for the threatened evasion by the French was averted. In other words, they prayed and they fasted. God stepped in and heard their cries and acted. Desperate times called for desperate measures, and God rewarded their cries of devotion. 
Now, I think most of us here don't have French, the France, uh, the nation of France, uh, threatening an invasion in our life. But I think everybody here has various challenging situations that they're facing. Maybe it's a battle with addiction. Maybe it's a, a sin struggle. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe you have to make a big decision and you're struggling to walk out in faith on that. Maybe you're just in a funk spiritually. I'm just not growing. I don't enjoy spending time devotionally with God. I'm just, I'm just not doing well. Like I said, maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't know Jesus and you, it breaks your heart that they're not walking with the Lord. I think whatever that situation is, Whatever that situation, I really believe God might be calling you to a fast, to humble yourself, to, to cry out to him. So I do, I want to challenge everybody here right now in this moment, you and God start committing to, to something, whether it's, hey, on Wednesday, I'm not going to eat lunch. Instead, of, I get a lunch break, I'm going to go out in the by work and take a walk and just spend some time praying with God. Whatever it is, I really believe God is calling us. I think eventually as a church, we might do a church-wide fast. Uh, I didn't feel like complete clarity on that, so I just don't want to throw it out there yet. But I, I'm going to be praying along with the other elders about maybe that being something in the future as we continue uh, to seek God's face as a congregation. Now, I want to stress this. This is not magic. So whatever that situation you're in, I don't want you to think, okay, if I do this, I'm getting this. There's no guarantee that it's going to work exactly like that. But I think there is a guarantee that it works. Because God indeed rewards faithfulness. So are you willing to give it a try? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now and we acknowledge uh, that even the idea of fasting, it seems so undesirable. Uh, the, the thought of abstaining from food, it, it sounds good on paper, but then in the reality, it just seems impractical and difficult. But Lord, uh, the Christian life is impractical and difficult. So I pray for everybody here that, Lord, you would really uh, give us wisdom, give us a sermon on how to practically apply, apply this passage, that we would be a people that might uh, ultimately uh, seek your attention and cry out to you through fasting. We pray that you would reward and bless these efforts of humility. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, at this time, elders, deacons, and other helpers can come as we're going to start um, with communion. Uh, Luke 22 says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to the man who betrays him. 
I think before we actually participate and celebrate communion, it's vital that I say a few words uh, when it comes to communion. I think in light of today's sermon, two thoughts come to my mind. One, what we're doing right here is a humbling of self, like fasting. Because we're celebrating that you and I were inadequate. You get that. We are rejoicing in the fact that we could not do it. That Jesus had to die in our place. That we needed saved. That we're sinners in need of grace. So we're boasting in weakness every time we gather for communion. That is good for us. Don't forget that. Secondly, we're hearing from God. I think we come in these moments asking God to step in, to refresh, to encourage, to comfort. We need God to nourish us physically and spiritually. Well, who might participate in this? Sincere, accountable believers in Jesus Christ. Paul does warn us to examine ourselves. He said, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So if you're in a place right now, spiritually, one, that you don't know Jesus, please don't participate. Use this time to pray to talk to the Lord. If you are struggling with willful, consistent rebellion and you just don't feel right, I don't want to numb the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to just spend time and pray. But please don't misunderstand. This is not for perfect people. If this was for perfect people, none of us would be participating and celebrating. It's people who are resting and trusting in Jesus. Parents, Exercise caution, but if your child has faith that's consistent with repentance, that you see fruit in their life, we don't have necessarily a set age that we as a congregation uh, hold to as far as when your child can, can participate, but don't be in a rush. We want their faith to be saving and genuine, and we don't want to give them the misunderstanding, but it's not for perfect people, and it's not for people that know everything. So let's pray, and then... Uh, Ryan will lead us in song while they pass out the elements. So let's pray. Uh, God, we come right now, and uh, I know I can speak for myself. I'm just tired and weary. Uh, Life is busy. A lot of of, of things on my my plate, and I I come sometimes in these moments, and I'm just ready to be done. Uh, So Lord, I I pray uh, for forgiveness in that, but I also pray, God, that we would just uh, be fed, that you would nourish us spiritually in this time that you would bring times of refreshment to our weary souls. Uh, Even as we sing, Lord, we pray that we would just really sing out of hearts of gratitude and praise for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you'll continue to do in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.